Algar Productions. Welcome to the Death of Podcasts. I'm Alan, this is Amanda. Hello. And we're making our way through Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, one book at a time. This month we're discussing book eight, Guards, Guards. Oh, what a relief. Yes, what <laughs> indeed, as you say, a relief. Oh, this was this was nice to read. This was, you know, we talk a lot about when does it get good, this is mine. Like, I mean, Weird Sisters was better than I remembered, mm-hmm. it was very, very good. But this is my favorite sub-series. This is the beginning of that. I like Equal Rights. Like, for me, Equal Rights was a a pleasant read. But when we talk about when it gets good in the sense of, can I just start here? Mm -hmm. This is pretty much it. There's a couple coming up that we're not crazy about, but then we're about to hit a run that are outstanding. I don't remember anything about Eric at all, which is not a good sign. Oh, no. But then we hit a run of five or six books that we both love. So we're getting there. But... If if you were to ask me personally, my, my answer, mm-hmm. when does it start getting good? I would say, skip a little, read Equal Rights and Weird Sisters, then just start here and go mm-hmm. linear, is what I would say. Let me tell you what happens real quick. Yeah, do that. In the city of Ankh-Morpork, a, sis- a sister, a sinister brotherhood, plots to overthrow the city's patrician, summoning a dragon to assist in this effort. When this plan spins out of control, as such plans inevitably do, the only thing capable of saving the day is the Night Watch, commanded by washed-up drunk Sam Vimes and assisted by new recruit Carrot, a six-foot-six-inch dwarf from the country. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is one of those like Weird Sisters mm-hmm. where it's like there's a there's a great primary character mm-hmm. at the center of it all, but everyone, all the supporting characters are also great. I didn't realize how much I liked Carrot, mm-hmm. like, straight from the beginning. Yes. Um, he is a real sort of wholesome from the country boy. Uh, in this case, the country is the dwarf caves. Yeah, the, the, the mountains yeah. where the dwarves have all their mines. And uh, he was great. Just having, this is a fish out of water thing. You have a, a country lad coming into the city. And uh, yeah. not... Well, and the things we like about him later, which we're, we don't generally spoil specifics mm-hmm. about later books. We might accidentally do it, but we try not to. Moving pictures fucking sucks. Uh, there's a spoiler for you. We'll see. There's, a, there's, there's some stuff I like about it. Fucking sucks. Don't read it. No, I don't agree with that. Also, one of our good, great friends likes that book. So Well, I can disagree with a, my friends. Yes, you can disagree, but don't insult them. It fucking sucks. <laughs> Anyway, what I'm going to say is a lot of what we like about that character, Carrot, from later mm-hmm. books, like, you need the beginning of his story. Like, that that is part of what makes him great is first seeing his sort of humble origins, I think. But he's not, it's not like you get to meet this character and you'll get to like him later on. He's No, that's what I'm likeable. saying. The, the part of it is seeing where he starts. Mm-hmm. And, and this is an essential part of seeing his growth later. And he's, everyone talks about him like he's a very charismatic character and not just talking about him being charismatic. You see it. You there understand is so much, why. There is so much show don't tell. Mm-hmm. There is because, yeah, it is super easy. Over on our Star Trek podcast, yes. there is an infamous example. There's a, there's a next gen episode called The Outrageous Okana. Oh my God. It's and so this character, bad. yeah, it's fine. It's got some okay stuff in it. No, it does. 
But don't just be negative <laughs> about everything. <laughs> Jesus. Be negative about everything. The, ca- the character sucks. He does. But everyone talks about how great he is and how cool yeah. he is and how outrageous he is. And <laughs> People have whole conversations just sitting down. Oh, have you met that Okana character? He's so outrageous. Yeah. And you never once see any like, and that's sort of the quintessential like mm-hmm. uh, example of that. But there's plenty of others. And I thought, oh, no. What if Carrot's one of those? What if what right. if Pratchett falls into that and he doesn't at all? There's some moments. So, okay. There's, I know it didn't start here, but the, the, the quintessential example of this joke comes from the Steve Martin movie, The Jerk from the 70s. The first line of which is, I was raised a poor black child. Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. And then you cut to his home in Alabama or Mississippi or whatever. And it's not actually problematic at all. He's an idiot with no rhythm. And his black family's like, oh, oh, boy, you have to go away now. You have to go to the city. You you do not belong here. And the joke is never, ha ha, black people. It's, ha ha, look at this honky. He doesn't. And but it's the same. It's the same bit. It's the same thing as carrot being a dwarf, and everyone is three feet tall, and they're like, you you need to leave. You need to go now. But later on in the series, uh, Terry Pratchett talks a lot about how being a dwarf is not like. You you aren't born a dwarf, you're raised a dwarf. And later yeah. on in the series, there's a lot of sort of exploration of that. Because right. Carrot never says, I'm not a dwarf. No, he is. And he absolutely he is, a, is. He is a dwarf. But for he was, perfectly practical yeah. reasons, being in the mines and stuff, he just can't. And his um, there is definitely some feelings against him because another mining family doesn't want him to marry their daughter right. because he is biologically human. Right. But... In every way, in every way that counts, he's yeah. a dwarf. Yeah, absolutely. And he identifies that way. He was raised that mm-hmm. way, and so he never he... stops identifying yeah. that way. No, no, that that carries through the entire mm-hmm. thing, which is great. And there's a point in the story where he sees city dwarfs for mm-hmm. the first time, and he sees they're not these sort of pious, wholesome mining all day for sixteen hours mm-hmm. and then sleeping. They're out. What is it? Quaffing. Yes, quaffing. And which singing songs just, about gold. Which is just like drinking, except you spill more. Right. Yeah. And he comes into the bar where there's like, you know, a thousand dwarfs, like screaming and fighting yep. and everything else, and starts lecturing them, and it works. Yep. They all start like tearing up and like going home and writing letters home. It's such a good sequence because he comes in and he says in dwarfish something along the lines of what goes what's on. What's all this then? What's all, but it's, it's, it's what's all this then? Yeah. And it totally works. Like he starts talking about home and their what would their poor old dwarf mm-hmm. mothers think of this, and then and it works. Yeah, it's not like who's this guy? Get out of here! Yep. It's like oh, oh, he's right. Oh. oh, and there's a few other moments like that too, where he clicks with other mm-hmm. people. And of course, the the running thing is he has a special destiny. Mm-hmm. He was found in the forest under mysterious circumstances with a, with a magical sword and a birthmark shaped mm-hmm. like a crown, mm-hmm. and. They straight up just about say it near the end where Vetinari puts it together mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Well, and you like being in the watch, do you? Good. You just stay in the watch. Mm-hmm. And later on as the series goes, that that also doesn't go away, mm-hmm. but it's it, he's never going to become king. He doesn't yeah. want to be king. Nope. He wants to be in the watch. Also, he wants to do what Vimes would like because he's, he loves Vimes so much. The the one of the main things I like about this series is there's a lot of good social commentary. There's a lot of good stuff about human nature and about the way cities work mm-hmm. and the way people work. And what I like is the progression because mm-hmm. when we start this, 
my favorite character in all of fiction is Samuel Vimes. Right. And he literally starts in the gutter. Yes. The first scene we see him in, he's lying in the gutter, pissed drunk. Lying in the gutter, staring at his puke. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not looking up at the stars. Mm. Yeah. And and it really is a progression because the arrival of Carrot makes him think, oh, right, this this boy, this good boy who's reading the laws and trying to do the right thing mm-hmm. and arresting the head of the Thieves Guild mm-hmm. for the love of Christ. Maybe maybe he's going a little too far. Maybe he doesn't know how we do things here, but maybe we should be doing things like that here. That's what kicks it off. That's what starts Vimes on this path. And the reason Vimes got shoved into being commander of the Night Watch, and the Night Watch at this point is a nothing. It's yeah. just a garbage heap where you put. They a literally bunch of loose walk ends. around and ring a bell and say all's well. Yeah, that's all they do. Uh, is because he was too mouthy and outspoken about things he thought were wrong at the wrong time. So mm-hmm. I think he also sees a little bit of himself in Carrot. And um, we will actually get some flashbacks to mm-hmm. his younger days later, and we see you know he was sort of youthful and idealistic mm-hmm. and wide-eyed. Back in the day, Never too. as wide-eyed as Carrot. No. Because he did grow up in Angkor Hork. Yeah. But we will narratively see yeah. younger Vimes and realize, yeah, he didn't he wasn't always this cynical. So it's it's nice. But but I think the, and again, without spoiling specific plot points, this is like things get better for these guys. Yeah. And that's the event that kicks things off is the arrival of Carrot. The like he's not a king, but he has he sure has a lot of influence mm-hmm. over making the city a better place. And you said you think his special destiny is to improve the city, just not in yeah, the king way. I think so. Yeah. I think that was Terry Pratchett's plan probably. Yeah. Was and I also didn't realize we'll, we'll talk about this character in a minute. I didn't realize what an essential part Lady Sybil is to everything I think mm-hmm. of as the watch. Like I thought she was a supporting character who sort of came up into the forefront later, but and once again, you have to wait for nearly three hours to, for women to exist. Yep, yep. But women do exist in this book. She's the only one, unless you yep. count the dragon. Um, but women do exist, and she's a very strong, vibrant she's character. Such a great character. So I, I don't... There's a lot of weight put on her shoulders, but she can carry it. Yeah. So it's it's kind of okay. It's not like in the Rincewind book where the barbarian chick was yeah. in it, and it's like, woof, this is the only woman. And yeah. obviously it's better if one woman doesn't have to carry yeah. all of it. I mean, we but, have some uh, off, like we have some off-screen women. Mm-hmm. We have the there's a joke, and again, coming back to Carrot's naivete and everything, he comes to live with Mrs. Palm, mm-hmm. who we know from previous books, runs the brothel. Mm-hmm. And with what he thinks are her daughters, mm-hmm. and he doesn't know what goes on there. He thinks this nice lady in the bad part of town just took him in. And they all love him. Because he's a big strapping policeman who will protect them and doesn't try to take liberties with them. Nope. And and he's a nice guy to have around. Yeah. yeah. And he starts dating one of them by the end of the mm-hmm. book, and it's sweet. And so, I mean, there are women alluded to, but you're right. There's really only one yeah. speaking woman in this whole damn book. But... Uh, unlike in some of the other books, she's rad. She is. And that's what I was saying about the Watch books and the Witches books both mm-hmm. have not just a very excellent, strong character at the forefront, but also a really deep bench of mm-hmm. great supporting characters. And actually, my good thing is one of the supporting characters is borrowed from a whole other series. Mm-hmm. I don't particularly care for the Wizards books. I didn't. I, the Rinswin books are fine. We've talked about them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And there will be more, unfortunately. I'm so done with them. Well, we got a real short one coming up, yeah. and then it goes away for like 10 books. 
But I just the wizards in general, the the university just doesn't interest me that much. I like Mustrum when he shows up later on, but more in context when he is away. Like I don't really like him with the wizards. I like him when he's doing stuff with a patrician or with Granny or whatever. Yeah, and and this is a similar thing to that. Yeah, this is the one good character they have mm-hmm. right now because Ridcully is a character that will later become the yep. Arch Chancellor. That's not really a spoiler. You don't know what that means. You just have a name. Um. And he's not Archchancellor yet. We've met the Archchancellor and it's not him. Yeah. Um, but the only decent character there is the librarian who is an orangutan. Mm-hmm. And he gets deputized in this story. And it's a perfect way to tie this story to previous books, mm-hmm. but also say, you know what? This is the best part of that, but it's its own thing now. Here's the librarian playing in this world. And it doesn't go away. He nope. shows up in future watch yeah. books. But it's, it's adorable mm-hmm. because... He's like, he's a librarian first and foremost. Like, yeah, he's an orangutan Mm -hmm. and there's some jokes about apes and about eating peanuts and eating, you know, swinging in trees. But first and foremost, he's a librarian and a book has been stolen and he's pissed. And he comes to the watch because he's a little out of touch as well. Mm -hmm. Like people who come to the Night Watch are out of touch. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't get the news that the Night Watch is just there to ring bells. So he comes to the Night Watch to report a crime that's worse than murder, Mm -hmm. and that is the theft of a book. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say there are some comedy bits, and you're going to talk about this in a Mm -hmm. second. There are some comedy bits that are a little tedious. Mm -hmm. Um, But the bit where he's charadesing mm-hmm. to Carrot about the missing book. I thought that was perfectly That was done. good. It, it didn't go on for too long. It went on just long enough that I wasn't irritated by it and it was cute. Um, and Carrot is a bit stupid. He Not comically stupid, but he's he's dogged and determined and he can put things together, but he has to do everything in a very plodding, methodical way. Everything takes him like he's not brilliant. Yeah, he's he's no. a little stupid. If you're, if you're building your perfect world yep. and you're building your perfect police force, mm-hmm. he's an excellent character to have mm-hmm. because he'll always do the right thing mm-hmm. and he'll always get there in the end. But he's not going to rush off with a flash of inspiration. No, like Vimes has inspiration. Yeah. Bru- Vimes is a brilliant detective yes. and a brilliant judge of character. Yes. Carrot is not, and he won't be. And that really, um, it made me think of Once in Future King, mm-hmm. which is a really good, um, uh, I was about to say Sherlock Holmes. It's not Sherlock King Holmes. Arthur. King Arthur. One you of know, the other uh, the public other ones, domain yeah. English characters. <laughs> Robin yes. Hood. Um, no, he, and that might be deliberate. Yeah, because it probably is. he's got the birthmark and the special destiny. But the whole point there was Merlin was looking for a king. And mm-hmm. one of the things that he wanted was someone who was kind, but not that smart. Yeah. Like, because he, he wanted someone who cared, but didn't get stuck in his own head. Mm-hmm. And I, I saw a lot of that character in character. I can see that. Uh, I highlighted a passage uh, yep. about... The watch mm-hmm. and how useless they were mm-hmm. at the beginning. It's it's when uh, Sergeant Colon is is one of the like. There's there's two guys there in addition to Vimes when we start. Mm-hmm. It's him and Nobby Knobs, mm-hmm. who is just sort of a human weaselly sort of like. I don't know how do you describe like there are large passages about how you can't describe what Nobby is, mm-hmm. so it's hard to relay to you what he is. He's he just has a to have weasley a bit, sort He of... has to have a bit of card uh, proving that he's a human being, right? But but in the sense of he's kind of just Weasley and mm-hmm. small and he and, sidles and a lot. And petty. Yes. Um, and then there's the big fat sergeant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're a comedic duo. And, mm-hmm. and we've talked about this 
at least off mic, just how uh, Terry Pratchett leans on them a little too much in later books. That actually, I mean, that's that. If you want to do your quote, that also kind of ties into my bad thing. Okay. Well, this this is this uh, Sergeant Colon like uh, training Carrot on like his first mm-hmm. night, and he says, "This is all what you have to do. You walk along the streets at night, shouting, it's twelve o'clock and all's well." And I said, "What if all is not well?" And he said, "You bloody well find another street." <laughs> Very good. Just because that's that yep. really gets the point across of they're not there to help anything. They're there to to just because tradition, I guess, mm-hmm. because people want to hear the bell, and that is all. And I think the patrician probably thinks it's better to have something so that nothing comes to take its place. Yeah, like they're just a like oh yeah, there's a night's watch. There it is. Well, those and- three guys. <sighs> The patrician, like, and this is actually your good thing mm-hmm. about how this is one of the great characters. Yep. Do we want to just talk about the patrician yeah, for a let's, while? Let's, let's do talk that. about. The I think patrician. we've got carrot in the beginnings of yep. the watch taking. I want to so talk, spend some more time talking about Sybil too, but let's talk absolutely. about the patrician. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, the patrician is actually my good thing. Okay. Um, we've seen him in kind of in some earlier books, and it is supposed was, to be the he was name checked previously. Yeah. Yes, he, it is supposed to be the same guy, mm-hmm. but this is the first time where we really get a good handle on him. Mm-hmm. Um, Almost. He's not perfect. He's not there. But he's supposed to be this Machiavellian character who mm-hmm. who can keep the city together and who knows what's going on and is always 10 steps ahead. And he stays patrician. He stays tyrant because he's the best of a bunch of bad options because the city is very much one day is the same as the next. And he can keep it going like that without it being chaos. And this is the first time, and this will come up a lot mm-hmm. in subsequent books, where it is very openly, overtly stated, everyone hates him. Oh, everyone, everyone hates in the him. city hates him. Everyone is constantly trying to overthrow him. And the minute they do, it happens in this book. Yep. It's like, oh, God, what did we do? This is terrible. And not really spoiling, there will be plots in future books where exactly the same thing happens. And everyone who gets to be patrician hates it because it's mm-hmm. terrible. But when we get him, like, he spends most of the book in prison and he's running the whole city. Mm-hmm. With his army of rats. Yeah, he, um, he, there's some really, really great moments with him where he says, first off, like Vimes is like, why didn't you run? You knew this yeah. was going to happen. He's like, what a waste of energy that would yeah, be. Why would I build secret tunnels? Um, what kind of a leader abandons his city? Yeah, I wouldn't. If I ran away, then I'd spend my whole life being chased. If I stay here in this dungeon, I'm in the center of all of it. Mm-hmm. And then he uh, says like, it's not so bad in the dungeons. It's a, a, a rule that every leader should follow. Only build a dungeon you're willing to spend a little time in because yeah. there's a pretty good chance you're going to get in there. Well, plus the conspirator, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Lupine Wants, who mm-hmm. is his um, uh, one of his assistants, mm-hmm. who is also the head of this brotherhood that summons the dragon, right. um, overdoes the torture. Mm-hmm. What is he? He throws in scorpions and rats. And, and snakes. And snakes. And basically, they all cancel each other out, and he's left with the rats, and the rats do whatever he says. Well, what happens is he comes in, and, and uh, Vetinari's like, this, it was a mess. It was a mess in here, so I've been consulting for the rats. So mm-hmm. he's telling the rats how to win the war against the scorpions and the snakes, mm-hmm. and so then they take care of him. Yes. <laughs> Which is so And they can't read, so, so he good. can't get the food that he wants, mm-hmm. but like on the other hand, he can get information, and... There's a lot of great mm-hmm. stuff there. And he is such a chess master. He's mm-hmm. such a, like, there's a passage I highlighted where he's talking to the head of the Thieves Guild. Uh, the thief shuffled out. It was always like this with the patrician. He reflected bitterly. You came to him with a perfectly reasonable complaint. 
Next thing you knew, you were shuffling out backwards, bowing and scraping, relieved simply to be getting away. You had to hand it to the patrician, he admitted grudgingly. If you didn't, he sent men to come to take it away. <laughs> so good. Yes. And he was in almost, he's almost there in this book. Like, I the very thing, much see it. The one thing that really surprised me that wasn't there is, we will see this later, I guess as a spoiler. He's just got to play everything that happens. Mm -hmm. He might not have a handle on exactly today's events. But it all feeds into his master. Like, this is the right person for the right job, and they're going to do. And we'll find out later, and I don't know if it's a retcon or if he has a realization, Vimes is the right person in the right place. Mm -hmm. He needs to be there for this reason and this reason and this reason that'll come up in other stories. I don't get the feeling that this patrician right here planned on Vimes. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Later on, it will become very clear that he needs Vimes there to become everything Vimes becomes. But here, he's like, who even are you? I also don't feel like he had a plan for the dragon or for that he knew that once was going to no, betray him. No, I don't think he specifically has plans for things like that, but I think he's prepared for those things and he knows how it's going to shake out. But I think in the future, he would have had a whiff of what was going on, yeah, whereas probably. in this, he, he didn't. But the big thing that really got me was that he wasn't, like, he wasn't, I guess this is a slight spoiler. Mm -hmm. In later books, you'll see Vimes pinging around like crazy mm -hmm. and wrestling with his conscience mm -hmm. and really getting into the moral weeds of things. Mm -hmm. And the whole time he's doing exactly what the patrician wanted him to do. And here it's There's not like that. There's a little bit of that here where Vimes is rushing around trying to get out of the dungeon mm -hmm. and the patrician has a key. Mm -hmm. And he just says, like, I, I could have given him the key, but he was having so much fun figuring his way out. It just didn't feel like I didn't have yeah. the heart. Yeah, he's treating it like an escape room. But there's the thing where... He's in there for a few pages, mm -hmm. and he's like, "What do you What do you notice?" It's like, "I don't know, iron bars, a big door, it's, it's stone. I can't get you out. know dungeon yeah. stuff." What do you notice? I I don't know. I thought you were supposed to be a detective, and it took him a minute, and he had to just like take himself out and then put himself back in. He's like, "Wait a minute, all the locks are in here. Mm -hmm. you, you've locked them out of the dungeon. Mm -hmm. What? <laughs> That's a very veterinary thing." No, I love veterinary, and he comes up, and this character will only yeah. get better and better. Yeah. He's already pretty great, but he will only get better and better. I just, like like I said, Vimes is maybe my favorite character in all of fiction. Mm -hmm. Just because he starts so rough and because over the course of the books, he tries to make himself a better person. And you see glimmers of that here. You and see his roughness isn't just the fact that he is um, an incompetent drunk. It's also his worldview. He's been beaten down. Mm -hmm. He's been marginalized. Mm -hmm. He's been the the watches not like mm -hmm. we have assassins guilds and we have thieves guilds like the crime takes care of itself. Mm -hmm. the, the police are superfluous here. And he's like, wait a minute. No, we're not. And we were talking about this and, and mm -hmm. you know, my my like quip, but really is true, is for all the fantasy, the crazy fantasy stuff that, that Terry Pratchett cooks up, all the flying space turtles mm -hmm. and all the trolls made out of rocks and everything, the most fantastical thing he came up with was police that treat people with respect and get the job done mm -hmm. and that you can trust. Yep. That's in this day and age, well, in any day and age, but particularly now, yeah. it's hard to read a story about a police force where they're supposed to be the good guys. Yeah. It's, um, it's difficult to, to read things that are pro-police that are not really critical of that. Yeah. Uh, and 
this is um and terry pratchett uh talks read a lot about robert peel and early policing mm-hmm. and um how it went from like absolute brutish thuggish thuggishness to slightly less brutish thuggishness well and and the story of Ankh pork as we go on is the story of civilization yeah. becoming civilization be- getting out of sort of that fantasy medieval times into something more you know civilized yeah Toward the end of the series, we get through the Industrial Revolution. Right. But um, but in terms of, like, technology also, mm-hmm. but in terms of society, in terms of the way people think and, and philosophies and stuff, and, and through the watch, we get that. But it can be as enjoyable as the series is and as enjoyable as Vimes and the other characters are. There's not a ton of stuff in here that is super critical of the police. That is true. Which... If you're satirizing something and if you're talking about issues and stuff, you can, it's kind of hard to ignore that. The thing is, it comes up in broad terms. It yeah. comes up in, like, aren't you just supposed to kick me and take mm-hmm. everything away from me? And Vimes, like, he's, and this comes up in later books, but it, there's a little bit of it here. Mm-hmm. What's to stop you from just tramping on me and taking my wallet and leaving me for dead? I'm to stop me. Like, that's what makes him so great. He's got that conscience. He knows how people should be treated. And he, it doesn't matter what strata of society they come from. And it seems to me, reading these books, what Terry Pratchett says is the only thing that can make a good police force is good people. Yes. And... Th- that does, that's not enough for me. You know, I have. I, I went to school for this. I know I, you. I, I know you did. I like. I majored in why cops are bastards. I understand. So it's it's. And I grew up around military yeah. people. I know. I know some of this. I don't know the academic yeah. part of it, but I I've been around these people. I understand. But my argument is, this is a utopia. This this aspect, like yes. Unk more pork itself, it's is not, not a it's, utopia. It's terrible. But he is trafficking in mm-hmm. utopian fiction and his idea of the police is an ideal of the police it's not what it's really like it's what he wishes they were it's like when you watch star trek and this is the perfect future that we're all supposed to be striving for i think i read it i interpret it that way it's just he has a lot of critical things to say about a lot of the rest of society and he seems to not have as much about this i don't think he has a lot to say about society i think he has a lot to say about people like most of his criticisms most of his satire once he gets out of the broad parody of the genre is about types of people individuals there's some things about uh, you know about institutions but it's mostly about people and it's mostly about if you put this kind of person in charge they are bad whereas if you let this kind of you know what i mean we talk more about this kind of stuff too in Dodger, which is not, well, not a, Dis- a Discworld, it's not a Discworld yeah. book, but it's one of my favorite non-Discworld books mm-hmm. um, where he talks about a lot of um, societal growth and right. character and all that as well. But I think he always works at sort of like, when you talk about comics, you talk about characters who are like cosmic mm-hmm. level and street level and like, he's definitely writing sort of street level. Like all his characters are, you know them by name. You're not, dealing with big institutions like the watch is four guys yeah it's not the police it's these four guys but it does grow as the series grows the watch grows and um he does bring in some aspects of community policing there's a little of that in this um a little bit but we we have more about that and i I could have seen this something where i it's just because probably because it's stuck in my particular craw Mm -hmm. um something that he where he could have gone 
with some more depth. Not in this book. This is an er- yeah. this is early days. Also, this is a huge transitional step from yes. fantasy parody yep. to whatever you call Terry Pratchett. This book is very good. It's very good, but it is also it's it's a stepping stone to the kind of stuff like when we talk about why we like Terry mm-hmm. Pratchett. Weird Sisters had glimmers of it. Mm-hmm. This also does like talking about the importance of the individual mm-hmm. and and taking care of people and why it's important and all that sort of thing. And it was a pleasure to read. Yes. Like I got through this in like, I got through this in like four days because I was really enjoying it. This is one of my favorite, like it's probably my top 20 favorite books. And it took me, I like I was, I was lagging behind because I got sick and there were a couple other Mm -hmm. things going on, but like I desperately wanted to do it. I just like, Oh wait, wait, I'll catch up. I'll catch up. But I think one of the reasons I like these so much and I don't usually like fantasy mm-hmm. is exactly because it's turning into something else. This is like it's still fantasy. There's a fucking dragon. That's the main and you like antagonist character. of the book. It's character driven yeah. and most of the characters think fantasy is bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's definitely part of why I like this series, this sub series in particular is Mostly Vimes is looking around this world of magic and saying there needs to be order. There need to be rules. Magic does not make a goddamn lick of sense. We need to make sense of this and we need to have justice. And I like that. I like people looking around at dragons and saying, ugh, dragons. Well, that's a a great moment in the book is Carrot arrests the dragon for a list of like causing an affray. Earlier in the book, he arrests the head of the Thieves Guild. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, oh my. okay. well, he's learned that lesson. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> nope and later on throughout the series at first vimes is like you can't arrest a dragon and then he sees it and he's like oh i guess what else are you supposed to i well, guess Carrot, you can arrest a dragon Carrot starts doing it yeah and vimes is like well i guess we're doing this but later on in the series uh vimes gets to the point where he's like you can you, you can you can just arrest if someone anyone. is a, if someone is committing a crime i have the authority to arrest yeah. them is and what he that's thinks. something he very much learns from Carrot. yeah in this book. I love it so much. And the social stuff that I love mm-hmm. so much is so much in evidence mm-hmm. here. The idea... Okay, so you got this guy Lupine Wants, mm-hmm. who's also head of this secret brotherhood. And there's some funny stuff there, yep. I think. Some of those sequences are too long. They are. But there's some funny stuff in there. There's some good stuff yep. about magic cults and mm-hmm. that... Like, he always has those characters poking holes in like... Yep. Yeah, but what... But the dread portal doesn't close because it's raining. It sticks. You know, things like that is cute. Slam the dread portal. Right. Um, And he summons a dragon. The idea being then the rightful king, who's Mm -hmm. my cousin with Mm -hmm. a sword that looks like a a destiny sword, Mm -hmm. will charge in and kill the dragon, which means we'll flip the off switch and make the dragon go back to where it came from. Right. And then now everyone will think he, he killed it and he's the king. That lasts about five minutes. The dragon says, oh, yeah, the world, people, gold. I'm going back there. The world is rad. Yeah. I like the taste of crunchy people, mm-hmm. and I like to live on a big pile of their gold. I'm going back there for more of that. And he goes and starts, uh, well, she goes mm-hmm. and starts burning the city and terrorizing the city. And within about five minutes. the countryside. <laughs> yes. In the thatched roof cottages. Think, think about how many opportunities you have where that song is appropriate. <laughs> to what we're talking about it is almost never i mean maybe in the books you read (laughs) that's fair but and this is one of the things i love about vimes Mm -hmm. he's 
walking dejectedly away. Mm-hmm. I think he'd been fired from his job because mm-hmm. you have that moment in every cop story mm-hmm. where hand in your badge and your gun. In this case, your your badge and your crossbow, I guess. <laughs> or in, like in Brooklyn Nine Nine, where he hands in his badge and his guns, and the captain's like, "You have to take this. You down have to go to, down to property and, and, and fill out an inventory receipt. sheet." And yeah, yeah. Um, and Vimes just sort of like sarcastically, like cynically mm-hmm. says. Well, they'll probably just make the dragon king. And doodly, doodly, doodly. Mm-hmm. That is exactly what happens because this guy knows human nature. Yep. And and people think, well, I guess it's better he's our king than anything else. They, they walk through the logic mm-hmm. of it. It's definitely regal. Mm-hmm. And the, the definition of a king doesn't carry any money. Mm-hmm. Can make you do what you mm-hmm. want. Like all the, and you know, and all they have to do is sacrifice a maiden to it. Mm-hmm. Done. Oh, it was so good. And the sequence where the dragon decides that she's going to become king, mm-hmm. she reaches her little claw down and takes the crown. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Well, picks it up, looks at it. Yeah. And there is some excellent physical description. Mm-hmm. Like, like I am ADHD as fuck. And when a bunch of action starts happening, my brain just switches off. Yeah, there's a fight. Just tell me who won and get back to the funny dialogue. Yep. I don't care. But there was some really good descriptions that made me really picture what was going mm-hmm. on, that the fight mm-hmm. near the end was good. But that bit you're talking about, mm-hmm. where the dragon picks up the crown in its talon and looks at it and realizes, because Ankh Morpork has been around for mm-hmm. hundreds of years and there's no gold left in this fucking city. Mm-hmm. It is the thinnest of thin gold foil around bronze or mm-hmm. something. Whatever cheap garbage. Yeah. And just like, dink, I don't yeah. want this. And just very well described. Oh, but yeah, the the dragon becoming king was so good. And it was weird because Vimes has a real anti-royal thing later on in the series. There's a, there's a part of his backstory that hasn't been filled in. and I, guess it, I, think, it's a, in the, I think it's in the next book. Yeah, and it, I guess it'll be kind of retconned. Yeah, which is fine. But I'm used to, like, I mean, Terry Pratchett just didn't know yet. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. But this had so much stuff about royalty. Yeah. It was weird that he wasn't talking about it because he fucking hates kings well, so much and because vimes is so about the individual mm-hmm. and so about justice and everyone should be equal mm-hmm. like he is the most republican in the sense of a republic not mm-hmm. in the sense of the political party like he's such a like what's I, there's another word for it too i don't remember but he just he he it doesn't matter to him it doesn't matter like there shouldn't be kings because people shouldn't be more important than other people and it's already so much a part of his character, and it becomes more later. It's just so weird. You're right that it's not in there. It's 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 super weird because I'm used to hearing him talk about that stuff, and I kept waiting for it to happen, and it didn't. They put all of that. They yeah. Uh, they Terry Pratchett put all of that in uh, uh, Colin's which mouth, is weird. Which is fine, whatever. Yeah. But you know, that guy's been in the military a bunch. You'd think he'd be fine with mm-hmm. the chain of command and someone being at the top of it. But yeah, it was it was just weird. Um, it was a little weird. Yeah, but the dragon becoming king was excellent. And good social commentary. Yep. There was a lot of good early on with the with the brotherhood and everything. Mm-hmm. Had kind of echoes of what's been going on here for a yeah. bit. And also in England a bit. Yeah. With 
All you got to do is nudge these hateful pricks a certain way and they'll do whatever you want. You don't even have to tell them. You just need to lead them there. And, and it said, struck a little close to home. He said he wasn't looking for people who were like super, super evil or ambitious. No. He was just looking for the petty, everyday pieces of shit yep. who are mad at their neighbors and have tiny, like they're just tiny little bigots. And he just had to just All you do is work them up into a froth yep. about the thing they're angry about and then mm-hmm. present them with a solution mm-hmm. and they will do it. Whatever the solution is, no matter how nuts it is. Uh-huh. Summoning a dragon stealing, that will eat people. Stealing magical artifacts. Yeah. Which would in itself is dangerous mm-hmm. to summon a dragon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the first thing the dragon does is burn down all the petty, this fruit vendor ripped me off. Mm-hmm. My brother-in-law is a jerk. Mm-hmm. It, it attacks those specific things. So yeah, it, it hit a little close to home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, that's that's human nature and it's happened a million times. And it just right now it's happening right now, right here in front of me. So, yeah. Uh, but you said some of the Brotherhood stuff and some of the other comedy bits were a little played out for you. Yeah, my bad thing is that some of the comedy, the comedy was uh, pulled a little thin, was okay. a little strained. Okay. There was a rip in the trousers of time. First uh, appearance of that concept, <laughs> which will come up many times. The um, there's a sequence where. Colon is looking at something and everyone's like, look behind you, there's a oh, dragon. Yeah. No, that took way too long. Oh, it was it was pages and pages. Yeah. Sergeant. Sergeant. Yeah. yeah. And some of the Brotherhood stuff was a bit it was, it, was. Re- it was repetitive and we kept coming back to it. No, it's a good bit, but it was it was played a little too much. And there's a, a bit where they're uh talking about killing the dragon and how they want to make the odds a million to one, because a million to one's gotta work. Well, there's so much genre awareness mm-hmm. there's so much well this is when a hero would come in i guess that's me mm-hmm. and things like that and the whole thing is well it only works if it's a million to one chance mm-hmm. and this is only a thousand to one chance we need to make it much more i liked that i thought that was very funny i thought it was a funny idea but it went on for way too long i disagree way too long. i liked that i will absolutely agree with you with the sergeant something's behind you mm-hmm. thing but I think the one in a million chance thing was pretty funny. There weren't as many painfully long comedy sequences in this as in some of the other ones, but no. there was a few where I was like, okay, let's move it along. They're always going to be there. That's one of the things he does. And it usually doesn't bother me, but every now and then he'll latch on to something and I was like, all right, yeah, let's let's keep it going. I think we should talk about Lady Sybil. Yes, let's talk about Lady Sybil, who's she great. She is fantastic. So describe her. She's a force of nature. Yes. She is um part she's her last name's Ramkin and she's part of the Ramkin family line which has gone back since the forever. Yes. Um they have been wealthy and in charge for since always. Mm-hmm. And she is um from that and what she does in her spare time is take care of dragons. No, what she does in her all time. In her all time. You know, yes. her spare time which is all of it because she's very yes. rich. Near the end of the book she realizes, "Oh, I'm a society woman. I am of of mm-hmm. upper crust breeding, and I should be out in society. Out in but society prior... to make changes. Right. But prior to that, yeah. she hadn't been, because she very consciously says, mm-hmm. this should be part of my life. I need to get out there. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, she was doing nothing but dragons. Yeah, so she takes care of swamp dragons, which are like tiny little small dragons. They are to dragons what uh, purse dogs are to wolves. Yeah. 
they're just very they're small and they status symbol yeah they're a set like yeah some rich ladies have a little shitty mm -hmm. little cute dragon that they carry around and there's dragon shows like dog shows yeah um that's all really cute yeah it's it's super cute and she also takes care of dragons who have been abandoned yeah uh, and she keeps up the lines to make sure that the the breeding goes well Mm -hmm. and that's just what she does and as like aristocratic as she is Mm -hmm. it's such get your hands dirty, mm-hmm. blue collar type work. She's always wearing the rubber boots and she's always mucking out the pens. Well, Terry Terry Pratchett talks about how the tr- only the truly wealthy and with high status could be this mucky and grimy and do That's this true. work. There's there's a better version of that riff in a later book. Yeah. But, and I'm talking about the boots thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you're right. There's some good stuff there. And the thing about her family going back mm-hmm. centuries is, and this comes up several times, She's there's a quality in her voice. Mm-hmm. She's used to order like her people have always ordered people like the watch around mm-hmm. always. Not in a, not not necessarily in a, in a in a bad way, but when she says you will stop, you just like immediately sit to attention involuntarily. Yeah, she has a strong commanding presence. But it's it's written as a genetic yeah. almost magic thing. Yep. It's not magic, but it is like because like They've been bred mm-hmm. to lead for so long. People just instinctively start obeying. It works on people, and it even to a very small extent affects the patrician, yes. who is the guy, the guy who is the least likely to just do something because yes. his bones are telling him to. Uh, it works on everybody. Yes, it's outstanding, and yep. of course. I thought this was actually good. Mm-hmm. She ends up being the virgin mm-hmm. that they're gonna give to the dragon, and. She's like, fuck that. Oh god, there's a sequence because Sam comes to save her. Yeah, and so he he comes he comes rushing after her, and as soon as she gets untied, she wraps the chains around her fist and starts running after the guys who uh, uh-huh. who imprisoned her because she was gonna beat the living daylights out of them. Yep. But then there's right after that, mm-hmm. they're gonna kill the dragon. Mm-hmm. They 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 try anyway, and she's like, don't you dare! That's a dragon. Yeah, they're dragons. It's and she spends her whole and Vimes has a moment where he's like. If anyone has a right to say that, it's the woman that they were just mm-hmm. about to feed to it. Mm-hmm. She she can say that. If anyone else said that to me, I'd say fuck off. But you know what? Maybe she has a point. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so she's compassionate, but she doesn't take shit from mm-hmm. anyone. She's rich, but she's not well, like she's not unwilling she's to not get her hands shitty. dirty. And she is rich in the way that she doesn't need to prove how rich and fancy she is. Yeah. So she has time for everyone. Uh, and her relationship with Nobby is actually really good. It is. And that's something that carries through the book series. She doesn't see Nobby as a petty little, like, whatever. She sees the best in him, the, which makes him act better. He he has, she has this, it's, it's like the way royals are written. And mm-hmm. there was a little of this in Pyramids. Mm-hmm. That sort of feigned interest, only it's not feigned. Mm-hmm. That sort of, oh, what do you do? Oh, that's very interesting. And everyone in the watch could be, like, Nobby steals from corpses. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. But she's like, oh, what a delightful little lad. What is it that you get up to? And mm-hmm. she just could not believe that of him. No, and he acts better for being around her. And yeah. he wouldn't steal from her house. No, of course not. Because he likes her. Right. All of that said, my bad thing, mm-hmm. there are some real cheap shots at her, both at her weight, mm-hmm. because she's supposed to be a very large woman and there's some Which real- again. Horny on main, Terry Pratchett. There's some of that, but there's also some shitty fat jokes mm-hmm. that are like, why, man? Why are you doing... Like, there's no reason for that other than to take a cheap shot at... I think it's supposed to be funny, but it's not. It's not. It just comes off as mean. And I'm not being 
overly sensitive about it. Honestly, to me, if you're gonna like, there's some pretty decent fat jokes coming mm -hmm. up uh, when we get to Perdita mm -hmm. because they're self-critical fat jokes. They're not people being mean to her. They're her being mean to herself, which is a way to frame that. But there's a moment where Vimes uh, has been injured and she uh, she takes care of him and they're looking around like it's it's like in a movie you're mm -hmm. slow panning around her room and it's just this sort of sad commentary and it's like like on the one hand there's some great specificity and it really defines the character and really gives you a good picture of her but on the other hand it's like oh look at this sad woman who just lives in this one room and mm -hmm. only has dragons and has no one in her life and it just felt mean and there was definitely a feeling that a person can't be alone yeah. and be a complete person, yeah. which is some bullshit. It is, but that said, she is, we haven't even talked about this. She's a love interest for Vimes. Yes. And she's a love interest for Vimes because she's decided she's a love interest for yes. Vimes. Not because he really sees anything in her. He's not opposed to it. but He she, wouldn't presume. No, but she basically got hearts in her eyes mm -hmm. and that's it. It's over. Mm -hmm. You are mine. You just don't know it yet, and I kind of like that. There's not really a courtship so much as a, as a, as a, I don't know, stalking. No. <laughs> no, um, sort of. She just plants her flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like it actually. She, but it's not that Vimes wouldn't have seen her as a romantic interest if he met her on the if he met a lady on like just some some lady on the street. It's because she's so high above him socially. Yeah. He wouldn't have presumed. Right. So if there was going to be a romance, she would have to initiate. There is that, but also I don't know. There's there's a specific passage and unfortunately mm -hmm. I don't have it highlighted mm -hmm. where it basically says he never would have looked at her like that. On the other hand, eh, there was nothing wrong with her. Why mm -hmm. not? And it's like that's kind of shitty. You could you can do better than that, Terry Pratchett. And he does in the future. Like he when, does. This, when, this will continue. When she is described later on, it's much more kindly. Um, and that's, uh, that's yeah. significantly better. Yeah, I agree. But the thing about the room sequence is it's definitely, there's definitely some meanness there and definitely some stuff I disagree with. Mm -hmm. But the loneliness, I really liked. Like, well, it was very well described, yeah. but it also felt mean. Yeah. It also felt like, oh, look at this poor woman. And then, of course, she's tied to a stake for the dragon, mm -hmm. which means she's a virgin. Mm -hmm. She's never been with a man either. Like, oh, isn't that sad? Uh, no, she was awesome. Why are you doing this? Because the loneliness I saw in her wasn't because she didn't have a husband. It was because she had wrapped her life up so much in one thing and there was yeah. no room for anything else. Yeah. Uh, and, and that came through i think in the room sequence yeah. it was it was a mixed bag there was definitely part of it that was, was it was strong well the thing is the mean-spirited stuff came from out of nowhere because yeah. it was like i'm really getting into it and wow i love this mm -hmm. character and i thought what i loved about her came in later books but it's here right away which mm -hmm. is always a pleasure when we come back to these early books and we're like oh that's already here great and she changes her whole life because she realizes she can make the world a better place yeah uh which is so good that's what I love yeah. about these later books is that sense of social responsibility and these characters who want to do the right thing and want to help people, not institutions, but people. And, oh, God, I love it so much. And really, we should just get to the quote. And this this time, we actually chose the same quote. It was an accident. Well, we were talking. We we are a husband and wife. I think you probably know that. It's we live shocking. In the, we live in the same home. 
And we're, we're standing in the kitchen talking about what's your quote. And she told me, I was like, oh, that was mine. Should I pick a different one? <laughs> and then I looked because I highlighted a page and a half in the book. It's like, okay, you know what? This is both our quote because we both love it and it's very long. So we will read it to you together. But this is, this ties into all this social stuff we're talking about, but it also ties into the way the patrician sees things versus the way Vimes sees things. And it's very good. So, it's the best part of the book. And it, it really defines going forward mm -hmm. because not exactly conflict, but definitely story will be driven by the opposing way Vimes sees things versus the way Vetinari sees things. Um, so why don't you read like the first two paragraphs and then I'll read the next ones. Alrighty. I believe you find life such a problem because you think there are good people and the bad people, said the man, the patrician. You're wrong, of course. There are always only the bad people, but some of them are on opposite sides. He waved his thin hand toward the city and walked over to the window. A great rolling sea of evil, he said, almost proprietorially. Shallower in some places, of course, but deeper, oh, so much deeper in others. But people like you put together little rafts of rules and vaguely good intentions and say, this is the opposite. This will triumph in the end. Amazing! He slapped Vimes good-naturedly on the back. Down there, he said, are people who will follow any dragon, worship any god, ignore any inequity. Out of uh, all out of a kind of humdrum, everyday badness. Not the really high creative loathsomeness of the great sinners, but a sort of mass-produced darkness of the soul. Sin, you might say, without a trace of originality. I love that line in particular. Oh, mass-produced darkness of the soul! But oh! sin without a trace of originality. Sin without is what a trace I mean. of yeah. They accept evil not because they say yes, but because they don't say no. I'm sorry if this offends you, he added, patting the captain's shoulder, but you fellows really need us. Yes, sir, Vime said quietly. Oh, yes, we're the only ones who know how to make things work. You see, the only thing the good people are good at is overthrowing the bad people. And you're good at that, I'll grant you. But the trouble is, it's the only thing you're good at. One day it's the ringing of the bells and the casting down of the evil tyrant, and the next it's everyone sitting around complaining that ever since the tyrant was overthrown, no one's been taking out the trash. Because the bad people know how to plan. It's part of the specification, you might say. Every evil tyrant has a plan to rule the world. The good people don't seem to have the knack. Oh, it's so good! What will get better about the later books is Vimes will have a counter-argument mm -hmm. that is just as good. Yep. He's not there yet. But two or three books from now, I would expect him to have three mm -hmm. paragraphs just as well thought out, just as deep and complex and fascinating, because he's the counterweight to that. And it's so good. It's so good. And... The patrician see later on sees the point of having that yes. of having someone who disagrees with him about this. Like he still sees it that way, yeah, though. He does, but he sees the point of having someone who doesn't. Yeah. Oh, so good! That sequence was the real standout for me. That just mm -hmm. it's it's gnawed its way into my spine. It's so good. That's. Like I say, that's yeah. the good stuff. That's when we keep saying, like, when it gets good and what makes this author special, it's his insight into humanity. It's his mm -hmm. really, he really gets the way people think and the way people act. And, oh, yeah. So good. Yes, very good. Have we have we hit all the salient points? Uh, I think so, unless you have anything else. I mean, I have a lot of things. I started taking copious notes yep. and then I sort of said, okay, this is too many notes. Already all the things. Yes. Uh, but I, you know, also there will be many more opportunities to discuss these characters. Yeah. These characters came come back many times. 
Uh, there's like we're getting into the point now where there will be sort of two main series going forward, which is these and then the witches that we read mm-hmm. about in Weird Sisters and then sort of a bunch of one offs in between. But and then Moist. Yeah. There's only two, three books about three books. him, though. Yeah, but that's not the same as The Watch, which has like seven yeah. or eight and The Witches who have like five or six. And the Tiffany books. And the t- if the Tiffany also... books count as witch books, yeah. then, then then they have more than The Watch. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot. So I was thinking about Wintersmith the other day. I'm looking forward to rereading that. Yeah, they're I mean, yeah. they're all great. Uh, so you chose the Pune or Play on Words, which actually, us calling it Pune or Play on Words, I believe comes from, was it in this book? I think it might have been. It's this th- one or, it's, it's something a, he says a lot. It's a thing Nobby and or Colin yeah. say a lot. And it's just, oh, that's a Pune or Play on Words. Add up the bastard, shouted Nobby enthusiastically. Total Nobby, said Colin. You mean total. I didn't love that because there's so many malpropisms with, with those mm-hmm. guys. And I thought that was a well that, that he went back to too many times. This one wasn't very pun heavy. This no, book. it wasn't. It wasn't. But there was there was a mm-hmm. few. I liked all the stuff with like there was more sort of merry misunderstanding mm-hmm. humor, especially with Carrot being so naive mm-hmm. with his cup. There was a lot of good yes. stuff about that. He had a protective groin cup because the more pork move with people fighting is to, to kick you in the balls. Yes. And he's wearing a protective cup, which no one, I guess, has seen before. And people think is his helmet. And there's a lot of like, it's very broad yeah. humor, but it works for me. There was a really good sequence where um, Wumps asks uh, the guards to take Vimes away. And they're, oh, yes. and they're like, oh, but he's just one guy. He's going to get yes, a rapier he's out. he's just one guy. No, he's going to do hero stuff and swing on the chandelier. But that's that's what I was talking about with the genre awareness yeah. with some very good like oh we know this point in the action movie the one the captain that you took his badge away and mm-hmm. he's by himself and you're sending all us to get him that must mean he's going to take us all out. Oh man. I like that. It was that. very good. Yeah. All right, so for the cliche count, uh kind of an average book, mm-hmm. two gingerlies, one susuration, three surreptitious, three examples of something that happens yeah, to other people. Gonna, that that's ramping into, up, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and quantum, but not in like not in the sense of something being hand waved mm-hmm. as quantum. So I don't know that if that one counts. The gingerly, you were listening to the audiobook, and as I walked into it, it was like, and then he gingerly. And we both just laughed. Very good. So your final grade? I would say it was a B. Quite good. Quite quite good. You are a harsh grader. I read a lot of books all the time. I understand. Quite good. Not perfect. Very good, though. I gave it an A minus only because I know there's good, better to come. Mm-hmm. But in and of itself, it was quite good. An excellent experience. Yeah. Uh, so that's all for this month. Uh, I'm not sure how we're handling next month yet because it is a very short book. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we'll give you two episodes or if we'll just make you wait a whole other month. For... We'll give them no episodes. I don't know. <laughs> I, I. What do you think? Because... I would just give them both. Okay, because. Because that book is like... Eric's like 15 minutes long. It's like the audiobook is three and a half hours versus yeah. this, which is 10. It's less than half the length. I'm going to start it tonight and I'll probably be finished it tomorrow. Yeah. We might as well read that together in the car. Yeah. Like the audiobook because it's not going to take very long. That's like our commute in the morning. Um. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then we it's it's decided. Next month you get two episodes. We should do the same when we get to some of the other short Discworld we're not things. really counting those yeah. like like we'll do the last hero probably but yeah. i don't really count that in the sequence like i do with eric so yeah we should pr- just do a, a shorty for uh we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes uh all right well that's all for this time 
Uh, this has been a co-production of Ron Algarwad and Amanda Smith for Algar Productions and Giant Black Albatross, copyright 2019. For our full archives, RSS feed, and more details about us, visit thedeathofpodcasts.com. And for access to our show notes, bonus photos, advanced copies of episodes, and even the opportunity to pick something for us to review, consider a donation at patreon.com slash algar. That's A-A-L-G-A-R. Thanks for listening.